This week I was, I was thinking it's, it's actually my daughter's birthday today, so I was trying to f- figure out a way that I could embarrass her, um, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything real solid, but I'm, I was thinking this week about disciplining kids, and I'm not, I will never teach a class or write a book on disciplining kids because I still don't know how to do it. Five kids. And uh, it get more confusing with each kid. Our first two kids, it was so easy to discipline them. They would get in trouble, and they would just kind of get right back in line. And Lisa thought we had it all figured out. And then this next kid comes along. His name was Sam. And, and we used to, you guys laughed as you already know Sam. But he, uh, he comes on. We used to read a book to our kids about this bear that caused all kinds of problems. He was a pet bear's. Weird book, but anyway, in the book, it says that this bear was a trial and a tribulation to the whole valley, and Lisa and I used to repeat that about Sam. We'd say, Sam was a trial and a tribulation to the whole family. Now, we don't really mean that because we love Sam, and every kid that we disciplined responded differently. Now, Sophie, who I was mentioning earlier, she's after Sam, but she was an angel until she got in trouble. And then she went into the stubborn mode that it didn't matter if you spanked her, it didn't matter if you yelled at her, if you put her in timeout, nothing. She wasn't about to ever admit she did anything wrong. In fact, most of the things she did wrong, she still admits she never did anything. But that's something different. Then there was Sam. Sam was conniving, he would do stuff wrong, and then he would get in trouble, and, and there'd be the typical, you know, punishment, and then we would put him on his bed. That was his timeout spot. And so you have to sit here until you start behaving. But what Sam would do, as we walked out of the room, he would start yelling, I'm happy now! I'm happy! Like it was just going to instantly erase what had happened. But he had this ability... To, to do that, all of a sudden he would go from angry and upset to, I'm happy, I'm happy now, and he was ready, ready to go on with life. And I think, is that really possible? Can we actually do that? Be able to flip that switch like that? And for whatever reason, Sam has that ability, he even does today. He can make me so upset as a 22-year-old, and yet then he'll come up and he'll give me a hug. And it's like, oh, you're happy now. And it's just, he, he's, got, he's got that ability. So my question is, as we talk about joy today, really in our world, happiness and joy are kind of, kind of the same things. They go hand in hand. You can talk about them in the same thing. So as we think about that, can we... Can we flip a switch? Can we go, you know, we live in this crappy situation. We, we live in this world that's really full of a lot of darkness, but can we have joy? Can we flip the switch and go, hey, I'm happy now, right here where I'm at. Now, the shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, we find these shepherds out in the field in the darkness, and the angels appear. And you know, they, they were a little bit terrified, but the angels, and I'm just going to read to you what happens here in Luke 2, 8 through 11, says, that night... There were shepherds staying out in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so here these angels are announcing to the shepherds who are afraid that, hey, you don't need to be afraid. 
Because something really good is happening today. There is someone that's bringing joy for everybody, for all people. And the shepherds actually left that place after being afraid. They're, they're at their minimum wage job, and all of a sudden they're like, we've got to go find this joy. And so they left to go find Jesus, this, this reason that the angels sang to them. And I said before, joy and happiness in, in our world kind of go hand in hand. I like to define things because it helps us to think about what they are. But joy is an emotion. It's usually brought on if we have success or good fortune or the possibility of getting what we desire. Those things bring us joy, right? That's why we look forward to Christmas morning because we get presents, right? And, and so we're, we're going to get something we probably desire. And so there's this feeling of joy when we look at Christmas morning. And, and so there's this feeling of happiness or joy. Now, unfortunately... Life happens, right? <laughs> we live in a world where obviously bad things happen. People do mean things to us. We make mistakes. We don't measure up. It's not always easy to have joy. And so often, maybe you're not like me, but the way I think sometimes is if I get here, then I can have joy. Quite often, we go through life kind of that way, don't we? I'll be happy when... I get married. I'll be happy when I get my dream job. I'll be happy when I retire. We're always looking forward to that. I will be happy. And the problem is when you look that way, when you think that way, that I'll be happy when, you're literally stealing the joy that you can have now. You're stealing your current joy, your current happiness when you always think, oh, out there, then I will be happy. Now, in the world we live in today, we, we know bad things happen. There, there's, you could just read through the news. Uh, but one of the most disturbing things is just the general happiness of the population of the world is declining. And I find that interesting because we have more now than we've ever had. I mean, think of the conveniences that dishwashers offer, that vacuums offer, that our houses, we, we have constant comfort inside of buildings. I mean, we have more now than ever before, but, but we have this depression and anxiety and this sadness that's, that's becoming more and more and more evident. In fact, over just the last three years, or I guess it's four years now, the, the use of of basically drugs to help with anxiety and depression has gone up 400%. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of different things that lead into that. Just the, they're more accessible. People talk about it more, whatever. But 400% increase. And you go, now we live in a world we should be happy, right? But yet we're kind of declining into this unhappiness. Yet you go back 2,000 years ago, and you've got these shepherds living out in the field that don't have anything like what we have. And the angels say, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. I mean, we're supposed to have great joy. That's what Jesus brought. Yet we can always find reasons, right, to be upset. We can always find reasons to be angry, resentful, anxious. Several years ago, I had a guy in the church not this church, different church, that wanted to take me to lunch. And he took me to lunch. 
And as we were talking, he, he was a snowbird. So he, he lived in the Michigan or somewhere in that area half the year. And then he lived in Arizona the other half of the year because he didn't like the cold. You know, you get that. And he was, he was in his 80s at the time. And he took me to lunch and he began to, to just kind of tell me his thoughts on the church. He, he'd like to do that, just fill me in on how I should be doing things. And he started telling me, I was fairly new, and he said, I, I hope you don't make the same mistakes that the young pastor I had back in Michigan made. And I liked it because he called me young. I don't feel like I'm young. But, but he said, he, and I said, so what did he do? And man, he began to tell me all these horrible things this guy did in his church. He said he had this, this healthy, strong Nazarene church, and everything was going great. And then we get this new pastor. And, and do you know what this new pastor did? He started inviting his neighbors to come to church, and they started coming to church. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem that bad. He goes, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. These neighbors did not have the same political views that we had as a church. He goes, there was a lot of Republicans in our church, and he started inviting Democrats to church. And he goes, do you know what happens when you go to church with a Democrat or a the other side? And, and I was like... No, I don't know what happened. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. And then he began to, to, to go on and on about all these horrible things this guy had done and how the church began to change because all these new people started coming in. And I said, so what happened to this guy? You said he wasn't your pastor anymore. He goes, oh, yeah, we got rid of him. I was like, well, what's he do now? He's like, well, he's a district superintendent. Well, di <laughs> district superintendent is a promotion. Okay, so, so the pastor did such a good job that he got promoted. But think of the ability of this guy that took me to lunch to be able to find the negative in the positive. Some people have an amazing ability to do that. Now, we can find the negative in the positive. You can also find positive even in a negative environment. The prophet Isaiah, about 700 years before Jesus was born, said this. We read it earlier. Isaiah 9, 2 through 3. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before before you as people rejoice in the harvest. So this is about Christmas. This is about Jesus coming to earth. And he says, these people are walking in darkness, but now they've seen this light. And so over and over, he talks about the darkness, and yet there's this light. Now, all of us, we understand that when you're in darkness, you can see the darkness. But if there's a light, you can also see the light, right? It's kind of how you decide to perceive it. In this, this word we've been talking about, I bring you good news of great joy, right? The word is the Greek word kara. And what's interesting is that word kara is actually best translated not as joy, but as rejoicing. And that may not sound like a big deal, but to me it is because joy to me is like you have joy. There it is. But rejoicing is more like no, I've given you a reason. It's, it's an action that you have to choose. So now, if you reread that, it says, I bring you good news of great rejoicing that will be for all people. So it's not just, boom, people now have joy because Jesus was born. No, they get to choose now to rejoice because of Jesus. You don't automatically have it. The shepherds were told to go see Jesus. Why? Because he was the reason 
to rejoice. The wise men traveled from far away. Why? To find this reason to rejoice. And, and Christmas time, really more than anything else, is the time that reminds us that we should be rejoicing. Now, remember, our definition of joy kind of is like happiness. And, and happiness and joy, they're based on what? On the situation. So often it's based on your situation. I've got a really good situation. I'm full of joy. But rejoicing is not based on a situation. It's choosing to, joy, to, to rejoice. And Jesus gives us the reason to rejoice. On that first Christmas night, the shepherds rejoiced. But they had so many reasons to not rejoice. Shepherds in that time were literally minimum wage workers. People looked down on them. They were dirty. They worked the night shift. You could go on and on about the shepherds, yet in that moment, they chose to rejoice. Mary and Joseph rejoiced that night when Jesus was born, and yet look at all the reasons they had not to rejoice. Here they, God causes this pregnancy outside of marriage, which causes embarrassment to Mary, causes embarrassment to Joseph. They almost divorced because of it. And yet in all of these, this family trouble, all these things, the, the crowded night, they chose to rejoice. <laughs> in spite of the situation, they rejoiced. Just what reasons do we have to rejoice because of Christmas, because of what the angels sang about? Man, you could go on and on. But just a few, just life in general. But we should rejoice about the life we've been given, uh, that God chose to create us. And, and we have this, this purpose, I believe, in this life. And, and then Jesus gives us eternal life, forever life. When we believe in him, now we have eternal life, which when you go there, you go, man, we have no fear of the future. Now, we're all afraid of the future, but we don't have to be afraid of the future, do we? Because we have eternal life. We don't even have to worry about the past and the mistakes we've made. Why? Because it's forgiven. He's offered us grace. We are loved. We are shown this grace, and we can do the same thing for other people. We have all these reasons that Jesus gives us to Rejoice. And 1 John 1.5 kind of repeats what Isaiah says. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And I, I want us to understand something. The light didn't make the darkness go away. There's still darkness. But the darkness can't take away our light. That is, that is a profound thing, yet I understand life's not easy. Bad things happen. People get sick. Families fall apart. We can always, we can find reasons to be angry. We can find reasons to be sad, frustrated, anxious. And we will not always be happy. We will not always be filled with joy, yet we can always find reasons to rejoice. I think choosing to rejoice is literally a mindset that we choose. I, I just give you an example of surfing because it's easy for me to give an example of surfing. But when I go out surfing, my mindset depends on who's around me when I'm surfing. And it also depends on how I surf. If I go out and there's, I like to go to warm water because there's a lot of lessons going on there. You know, people have never surfed and it makes me feel like I'm a good surfer. But, but typically, I, I paddle out, and I, I get out there, and, and if I 
mess up. I don't get in the wave. I nosedive. My first thought is, I am the worst surfer. I'm terrible at this. And then the next wave, I'll catch it, and I'll go, and it'll be, I'll do a little this. I can't go this, but I can go like this. And, and I get to the end of the wave, and I paddle back out. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm getting this. I'm a surfer. And the next one, I, I'm terrible again. And it's this, this mindset that we have, and it's amazing that if you can take that mindset and go, no, I'm actually good at this, or I, I like this. You can literally convince your own mind. We've got this powerful mind. And, and I listened to a podcast this week, this, this guy that's an expert on the mind. He said, we think that from day to day we think differently. But in all reality, 98% of what we think about today is exactly the same as we thought yesterday. I just stop and think. In other words, we think, oh, man, I, I've changed today. I've, I'm, I'm happier on this. But in all reality, we fall back into the same thinking patterns as we did yesterday. It's just kind of a natural thing. Think about when you walk into your office at work. You get there and you get your stuff out of the car and you walk in. And it's this familiar place. And typically when you walk in, it's the same thing as yesterday, right? It's, I'm back, this is, these are all the thoughts, these are all the emotions, and it's really hard when you go to the same place and do the same thing every day to change your way of thinking. Now, I, I've done things where I've thought, no, today, t- today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy. And I get on the highway, and you know the story, when you get on the highway, someone, you know, doesn't wave, but waves his middle finger or whatever, nothing I did wrong, I'm sure, but, but whatever, instead of being happy, I'm angry, just Boom, just like that, because it, what? it's a familiar place. The highway is very familiar to me around here. And it does not lead to happy, joyful feelings. And so whatever that is in your life, you have this ability to just, your mind goes to what is familiar. It doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's bad. Your mind drifts to what is familiar. And so if you've had a negative experience... It, So that typically, for the rest of your life, you're going to remember that place with a negative experience. I think of the highway as a negative experience, and I should probably figure out how not to do that. But I've talked to people that say, I hate the beach. I hate the ocean. I'm like, who are you? What, what, where do you come from? But, but then they follow it with a negative experience. Oh, man, when my kids were little, we'd go to the beach, and we'd come home, and they had sand in their underwear. They had sand in their nostrils. They had sand everywhere, and therefore, they didn't like going to the beach. And I don't like the ocean. It's too powerful, man. I almost drowned or something like that, and I, I get that. But it's amazing something I find so positive, someone else can find like, well, I don't like it. Why? Because of a negative experience. Our minds don't forget that. We can say, I don't like school. Or some people don't like church. Why? Because of a negative experience in their past. And so they always relate it to that. They walk in like, oh, I remember that time. Our minds have this ability to remember. And sometimes it's for the good. And sometimes we have to figure out how to change our mindset, how to change our minds. I, I find it interesting, John the Baptist and Jesus talk about repent. Come, come to Jesus and repent. And, and we always think about that, and, and it's right to one extent that, man, I need to repent of all the terrible things I did. But 
Repent, the word, which is metonia, actually means a change of mind. And so the word meta, the, the first part of it, is beyond or outside. The second part, noia, is your understanding or your mind. So thinking beyond our normal way of thinking. So just stop and think about that. It, they're calling, hey, come to Jesus and repent. Change the way you think. And so neuroscience, for a few years now, it's really basically new, has discovered that the brain changes physically when we think. So it's not just some cloud in your mind, but you're little, you have these pathways in your mind that grow and change physically. But the other part of it is when you think, chemicals are released in your mind. So if you think negative thoughts, you release toxins into your brain that cause stress. Negative thinking causes a chemical that literally can make you sick. It can make you mentally sick. It can make you physically sick. On the other hand, when we think positive thoughts, chemicals are released into the brain that are good for your body, that are good for your mind, and it literally makes you happier and it makes you healthier. Now, we all know this. We, we don't know the science behind it, but we know when we think happy thoughts, we feel better, don't we? And when you get negative, you literally, they talk about, oh, I carry the stress in my body because literally that's what happens. You can make yourself healthy and strong. Now, I don't believe John the Baptist knew the neuroscience behind repent. I, I, don't, I don't think the apostle Paul or any of the disciples knew the neuroscience behind it, but they knew that, man, if you think differently, when you think of Jesus, if you think differently, you're going to be happier. You're going to be a better person. So when the more we choose to rejoice, literally the easier it becomes. Remember I told you that if you have a negative experience, you go back and you walk in, you go, oh, it's a negative experience. But if you change the way you think and you begin to go, no, this is a good experience. I love the beach. I love the ocean. It becomes easier and easier. Why? Because chemicals are released into the brain that make you happier and healthier when you walk into that place. Uh, Harvard psychologist Jerome Bruner literally says, you're more likely to act yourself into feeling than to feel yourself into action. In other words, you're better off faking it. If you don't like showing up to work, if work brings you all these negative feelings and you just start pretending, just try it for a week. Walk in and go, whoo, I love it here. High five the coworker that's the biggest jerk in the world and go, I'm glad to see you, buddy. And, and, and just try to fake it for a week and see what happens to the way you think. Science backs it up that, that, that when you choose to rejoice in the situation, when you choose to be positive, guess what? You learn to become positive and you literally become healthier, rejoicing. The angels came and said, I have given you a reason to rejoice, and it can literally change your life. The shepherds knew nothing about neuroscience. I'm just telling you. They knew nothing about the chemicals released. But there's something about rejoicing, and that's what the angels told us. Even after Jesus had left earth, we have the apostle Paul writing to these churches, and he writes to Philippians, and Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Why, Paul? Why should we rejoice just because it's the right thing to do? He's given us a reason to rejoice. He's given us eternal life. He teaches us to love. He offers us grace. So just rejoice. And he tells us to do it in every situation. Why should we rejoice even in bad situations? Because it's the right thing to do. In fact, he tells us in verse 8 of chapter 4 of Philippians, he said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because you're choosing to rejoice. You choose to see the good. Because the truth is, we live in a world where there is bad stuff all around us. But it doesn't take away the good. It doesn't take away the promise of Jesus. The light shined into the darkness. And the light didn't take away the darkness. It's still there. But the darkness can't take away the light. Nothing can steal your light. Nothing can keep you from rejoicing but you. Now, Christmas season, I love Christmas, but it does bring on stress, especially when you have a family. There's money, jobs cause stress, family cause stress. There's just a busyness. There's an unrealistic expectations all around us. Yet, it all causes stress, but it, it literally can't take away our reason to rejoice. <laughs> Nobody can steal our joy unless we allow them. It, choosing joy is powerful, and it's life-changing, and it's also contagious. If you start going to work, and you start, start high-fiving the person you don't like, and you start, start talking like this is a great place to be, even though you don't believe it yet, it, it is life-changing to you, but it can be life-changing to those around you. It, Years ago, I was a sophomore in high school, and my dad was my football coach, and he still will attest to this. My sophomore year in high school, he would say he had the worst football team he'd ever had in all his years of coaching. And I mean that talent-wise, okay? So I'm glad I was on that team. So, but, but we had this, this team, and there's a whole bunch of seniors, and the seniors had zero talent in their, their class. My dad still attests to that. He tells the kids that. They laugh about it, whatever. But they had one kid. His name was Wolf Blazer. And so Wolf was a senior when I was a sophomore. We looked identical except for he was 6'8", 260. And he was the fastest guy in the team. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. Wolf Blazer was an athlete. He was a great basketball player. Every, literally, I think every college in America wanted them, wanted Wolf to come play for them. But then, so you got Wolf, okay, 6'8", 260. And then our offensive line, the three middle guys in the offensive line also wrestled, and I wrestled, and they were on the wrestling team, and they were the 132-pound wrestler, the 138, and the 145. That's our offensive line. Could you imagine Carlsbad High lining up with a 132, 138, and 145 pound guy? And then you got Wolf Blazer on the end. And so my dad was always very honest with the newspapers when he talked about his teams. And he, he said, Yeah, we have Wolf. That's it. That's, that's what we got. And, and so the newspaper came out with this article at the beginning of the year. It said, Wolf Blazer and the Fleas. That was the, that was the article. Wolf Blazer and the Fleas, and we were basically not supposed to win any games. But those three guys in the middle, there's Steve, and there's Jeremy, and there's Mike, 
they took over the team and they embraced that they were fleas. <laughs> they literally called themselves the fleas. And these three little tiny linemen were going up against 250 pound people. We ended up winning six out of the nine games that season. In the last game of the season, we beat the eventual state champion. They had already made it to the playoffs. We weren't in the playoffs, but we beat them 27 to 7. Just, I mean, just beat them badly with these little tiny guys and then Wolf. But you can ask my dad, you could have taken Wolf Blazer off that team, they still would have gone six and three because of the attitude of these three little guys that just took over that team and said, you know what, we're the fleas, but we're good fleas. <laughs> and we, we are going to do everything with just the attitude that we have in life. When you choose to rejoice, when you choose to go, you know what, Christmas is a time for us to rejoice. Why? Oh, man, let me go down the list. We get Jesus. We get eternal life. We get forgiven. We get, you can go down the list. I have a reason to rejoice. And when you choose to rejoice, not only does it change your life, but it begins to change everyone's life around you. Joy and choosing to rejoice is contagious. Just leave you with John 1.5. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness is still there. But nobody can steal your light. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for singing, sending your angels to sing to the shepherds. Thank you for giving us a reason to rejoice. We have lots of reasons not to. But my prayer for us, your people, is that we would rejoice in you. Help us to be the light. Let us be the light to everyone around us. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. May you have joy and rejoice this week. You are dismissed.